Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cash back match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and Deezer. Make sure you download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by our great friends at Bryant and Stratton College, Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State, and Stanley Law Offices. Make sure to log on to stanleylawoffices.com. Your personal injury attorney awaits Stanley Law Offices all over the major social media platforms, and really it's simple. Just call Joe. Visit them online at stanleylawoffices.com. This podcast has one guest. It'll be MLB national baseball writer and insider Anthony Kastervins. But before I get to him, I wanted to break down really the the career of of Philip Rivers um, and chat quickly about the Jets hiring Robert Sala as head coach for about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, um, 10, 15 minutes. First on Rivers, I mean, the immediate question from everyone is, is he a Hall of Famer? Of course he's a Hall of Famer. He absolutely is a Hall of Famer. I mean, you look at the numbers, he's got, and I'll get more into why the numbers can go the other way as well, but he's got 421 touchdowns. <laughs> That's a lot of touchdowns. He's got a passer rating of 95-plus. He's got 63,000-plus passing yards. I mean, he made eight Pro Bowls. He was a comeback player of the, of the year. He's, he, he's on the 50th anniversary team of the Chargers. He racked up all kinds of touchdown leader, yards leader, completion percentage leader, those kind of things. If you do those things, you know, for a, a good 15 years, 16 years to 20 years in this league, you're a Hall of Famer. That's all there is to it. Um, now, people want to know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I would say no. I know that ballots don't matter to some people. Uh, but covering the Baseball Hall of Fame really every year since 2004, for me, when Eckersley and Molitor went in, I follow the ballot part a lot closer than some other people, and I do believe in the ballots. And the reason why I believe in the ballots is because if you're Philip Rivers and you get in on the first ballot, that means that you're on the level of Peyton Manning, and that's just simply not true. If you are uh, in on the first ballot um, and you're, you know, Alan Trammell or Barry Larkin in baseball, that means that you're on the level of Derek Jeter or Hank Aaron, and that's just simply not true. So to me, ballots do something great. They 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 categorize elite, great, and good. And uh, my buddy Dan out in Albany, who I know listens to the pod all the time, and I appreciate the support. We joke back and forth all the time about stuff, and we did a text conversation about Philip Rivers. You know, the last 20 years, is he a top 10 quarterback? And I was like, well, hang on, let me let me break it down. Let me look into it. Let me research because, you know, off the cuff, I can do a lot of stuff. But when it comes down to lists and all that, there, there is a lot that goes into creating your, you know, your top fives and your top tens and your Mount Rushmore and your greatest of this and your last 20 and your best Super Bowl quarterbacks and, 
and all that, <clears throat> you know, and lists across sports for that matter. Rivers is a top 10 quarterback of the last 20 years, but that also includes the likes of Brady and Peyton Manning and Breeze and Favre, um, you know, and, and, on, and Big Ben, I mean, and on down the line. And so Rivers, I think, is a Hall of Famer. He's had a great career. Uh, he has been hamstrung by poor coaching at certain times. He has been hamstrung by horrible breaks. Welcome to the club. Everybody has. I mean, you think about you know that Mercury fumble back in 06, I think it was, for the Chargers. Um, so there, there, there have been, you know, major, major, major things that have gone against him. But that's like any player in any sport. Uh, when you play a team sport, some things are out of your control. Um, you know, when you're Jim Kelly in Super Bowl twenty-five, and you get down to a spot where you think Norwood can make the kick, and Norwood misses the kick, you know, if he makes that, Jim Kelly is viewed how today with a Super Bowl, right? He still should be viewed as... I think an elite quarterback of all time, winning four AFC titles and doing all the rest, but he gets picked on like Marino, like Favre, like, or, or Favre, like Marino, like Fouts, I meant to say, like Fran Targenton, like Phillip Rivers, guys who don't have rings, which I think is bullshit. And then in addition to that, you can lay, you know, lay upon it that Brad Johnson has a ring, Trent Dilfer has a ring, <clears throat> Doug Williams, who was really good for a few years. I mean, he was an elite quarterback for a three, five year stretch for Washington. He has a ring, but he didn't have the longevity that Rivers did. Uh, uh, same goes for a Mark Rippon, right? Those kinds of quarterbacks. Jeff Hostetler won a won a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback to Phil Sims, who was in and out that whole year. Super Bowl 25, uh, Phil Sims officially went down against Buffalo in the regular season, and Jeff Hostetler takes over and goes on the run and wins the Super Bowl. Jeff Hostetler, nowhere near the career, Hall of Fame career that Phillip Rivers had. He has a ring, Rivers doesn't. You get the point. This is how this stuff works. However, with Rivers, what works against him a little bit in terms of first ballot and comparing him against all these other guys you know, like Breeze and Brady and Peyton and the guys in Big Ben in his era, the early Charger teams had a lot. Now, in some cases when they had a lot, did the coaching hold them back? Absolutely. There's no question about it. But he had LaDainian Tomlinson. He had, at times, you know, a top six, seven, eight defense led by Sean Merriman. You know, he had Antonio Gates. Their offensive line was really, really good during that time as well, I think. So, you know, when he reached a championship game, and I know, you know, that that hurts, you know, uh, when you're there and the window's there, uh, you know, to try and close. You, you're not guaranteed to get back there. Dan Marino was not, you know, never got back. He made the Super Bowl his second year, and then he never got back. Um I also realize that he's playing, you know, the product of the era. You know, you're playing in the Tom Brady era. <laughs> you know, I've always said, like, how many grand slams do Andy Murray and 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 others have, you know, uh, playing in the Federer, Nadal, um, you know, Djokovic era. You know, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, John Stockton, Carl Malone, to all of Reggie Miller, do they all have a ring not playing in the Jordan era? You play when you play, you're born when you're born. Um, 
you know, does Peyton Manning have four rings without Tom Brady as as a nemesis? You know, do, do, do uh, other players have one ring not playing in the 80s when the Islanders and Oilers were winning cups, right, with the Trottier-Bossy teams and Wayne Gretzky and Messier teams of the Oilers? I mean, of course, you can look at that all day long. So I understand that he plays in the era. Another thing that goes against Rivers in terms of being a first ballot guy is the yards, you know, it's easy for a stack guy to go, oh my God, look at 63,000. And I know that I started by using numbers to benefit Rivers because let's be honest, I mean, the longevity and 421 touchdowns and 63 plus thousand yards, you can use the argument that I use with a single season Mahomes already with 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and go, well, geez, I mean, if, if, if the if it's so easy if if it's so easy to pass and and everything is slanted towards the offense and everybody would be doing what Mahomes does okay well that is true same thing applies a little bit for Rivers and his numbers but by the same token how much are all of the collective numbers in a career inflated right like Philip Rivers is ahead of you know quarterbacks A B C D okay he's top five in this he's a, okay but again plug and play you're born when you're born you know, you're in the era you're in, okay, but but you can't help but say, damn, like, what would Dan Marino have done right now, right? Like, if offense was was this way for Elway and Marino, and I remember talking to Jason Cole about this, who wrote the definitive Elway bio, you know, I mean, Elway, Elway's probably, like, number two or three all-time at worst right now um, with, with how he played, like, and you look at, <clears throat> you know, coaching and systems and breaks and all that, and you, you you do what you do, right? But the offensive numbers of the last 20 years, it's kind of like now in the NBA. You can't hand-check anybody. In the 90s, you could kill people. And so you have to take that a little bit into account that every guy, right, every guy probably has an extra five. Uh, maybe, it depends on the player. Rivers, for sure, you know, probably four to 6,000 yards added to his career. Because of the era. Same with Mahomes, same with Breeze, same with Peyton Manning. But that's when you go and say, what else do you got? And with Rivers, you can't help but hide that he was horrible in many spots in the fourth quarter. Horrendous on the road, horrendous on the big stage. Huge regular season games down the stretch, multiple years. The guy just didn't perform. And so... You know, that that hurts him. I think, um, you know, the draft he was in <clears throat> will go against him in the 4 draft, right? Because Philip Rivers don't, doesn't have the rings. Eli Manning does. Big Ben does. Okay, I mean, <clears throat> again, all three are really, really good. Eli benefited from playing for the Giants, beating the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, benefited from elite defenses, Um Eli Manning, you know, I, I, Colin Cowherd tried to say, oh, he only has four great moments. Well, guess what? <laughs> Those four great moments were in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. I mean, he performed. I mean, for all the giant defensive credit that they get, and they should, Justin Tuck and Strahan, Human Yor, all those guys, Eli Manning made crazy throws, eluding the pocket of the Patriots' defense, stepping up. The Tyree catch, was it amazing? Did he bail him out? Yeah, but the ball got out of Eli's hands. He didn't get sacked. What about the throw to Plaxico, right? I mean, all those <clears throat> big stage moments in the Super Bowl, like Eli got him there and Eli performed in the fourth quarter. Rivers didn't do that. Big Ben, same exact thing. I mean, you think about the throw to Antonio Brown. You think about the plays against the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. You think about Big Ben being clutch in 
you know, December games for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, to get home field advantage. Those things Phillip Rivers did not do. And so those things go against him. It's not just the rings. It's like getting to those places. And in December football games, fourth quarter, on the big stage, on the road, doing it year in, year out, time and time again, those things Rivers didn't do. But <clears throat> that's okay when you look at, when you ask the question, just a simple question, is he a Hall of Famer? The answer is yes. He's just not a first ballot Hall of Famer for the reasons that I mentioned. And I think, you know, when it goes into, when it goes deep down into it, there are there are uh, uh, players who you separate, okay? Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, but he's not Joe Montana. Okay, well, not many people are. Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. He's not, you know, Tom Brady. Okay, not many are. Barry Larkin is a Hall of Famer. He is not Derek Jeter, you know? I, I, I mean, uh, you know, Jack Morris is a Hall of Famer. He is not Sandy Koufax. Okay, perfect, you know? Like, I'd go on and on with it. Ron Francis is a Hall of Famer. He is not Wayne Gretzky. Well, duh. You know, that again, elite, great, good. And that's why I think we have the ballots to which Philip Rivers is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he is a Hall of Famer. Um, and just checking, you know, the playoff passing just really quick. I mean, for people who don't think that this guy, you know, really didn't perform uh, in the postseason... Uh, you know, against the Bills, he had an opportunity to drive him down to the end. You know, did he look good up until that point? Meh. Two touchdowns, 309 yards. You know, but he threw it 46 times. His completion percentage was 58.7. <laughs> it's not much better than what Josh Allen was coming into the NFL. And Josh Allen is an MVP candidate, you know, when he got Stephon Diggs. You know, Phillip Rivers had the ball in the end. He didn't make one dyna dynamic throw to put the Colts in a position to drive down the field and win the game. Didn't make one, you know, and I don't want to hear about, oh, well, you know, his guys didn't get open and don't, he has plenty of weapons. He has the exact amount of weapons and talent that many other players have had through the years. Many. Tom Brady had that exact same amount at times in New England, not every year, but at times. By the way, I get so sick of hearing people talk about how Tom Brady didn't have any weapons in New England. My God. Too many years, same OC, Belichick, Gronk, Hernandez, Dion Branch. Give me a break, Randy Moss. But at times, he had a few slot receiver created for him with Belichick, Edelman, Amendola, Wes Welker. Now, did he make them all better? 100%. But he had plenty of weapons. But at times, especially the last couple of years, you know, he didn't have tons and he worked with a lot and still made, you know, the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So, you know, and if you look at Philip Rivers' other postseason numbers, uh, you know, they're just, they're, they're not good. I mean, you can't, he doesn't have a really good postseason resume. He just doesn't. I mean, you know, that 2007 playoff game, four picks. Uh, playoff games, you know, four, four, four picks in three games. I mean, you, you can't do that. You know, three pick or uh, yeah, four picks in 07. You know, two picks again in 08. Um, you know, two picks again in 09. I mean, in the playoffs, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but good grief. I mean, you got to be, you got to be really, really good. I mean, you have to be Rodgers, Mahomes. You know, you got to be those quarterbacks. You got to be Steve Young. You got to be Staubach. You got to be Bradshaw. You know, got to be Brady. Got to be Peyton. And he hasn't been. He's had a couple of really good ones, right? But, like, overall, 
Completion percentage below 60. He has 10 playoff interceptions. Um, you know, those numbers, those numbers hurt you. The performances hurt you. Big stage. And the regular season, big stage too. Because a lot of those Charger teams, and again, I know coaching hurt a little bit. But man, at the end of the game, you win one more December game. You perform big stage. You get home field. Eh, different story maybe a couple times. So, But overall, the guy is all a famer, no doubt. Um, it shouldn't be a discussion. Is he a first ballot guy? No. Um, but whatever. I mean, that's sports. That's how we group them. And Philip Rivers should go into Canton, I think, and you know, maybe, maybe a couple, two, three, four years on the ballot. Get in that way. Quickly before I bring in Anthony Castrovitz, uh, I think the Jets, and I, I hate these press conferences. By the way, I mean, who are these teams going to hire? You know, bring them in, and it's all you know, slurp fest. It's uh, how are you going to fix the inside? How much do you believe in culture? Uh, you know, how much does it mean to you to have this job? You know, they come in, they wear the. The, the team's colors for ties. They wear the pin on the suit. These introductory press conferences are a sham. And you really don't, and you don't know if they're going to perform or not, et cetera, et cetera. But let me just say this. I think Robert Sala appears to be from the mold of McDermott, the role of, um, you know, a Pete Carroll, the role of, a couple of other guys in the NFL, and he's a defensive guy, from that change-the-culture cloth, right? I mean, he ain't Adam Gase, I'll tell you that. And he's not going to be, you know, dra- a drama queen. Uh, you know, he's not going to worry just what people are talking about with the quarterback position. That he's going to coach the whole team. <clears throat> and I just like the way he talks. I like the way he handles himself. He has the charisma without overdoing it. He has the honest approach. Um, you know, I like the words he uses. You know, there's an investment that's going to be made to one another. Coaches to players, players to coaches, organization to everybody. And then and there's an investment that's going to be reciprocated. Everything we do is going to be designed to win championships in the future. Uh, he's a communication guy. He's a collaboration guy. Um, he's spitting what he wants to do without rah rahing it. Um, and I think this could work for the Jets. I really do. They need leadership. They need culture. It's exactly what the Buffalo Bills needed. It's exactly what the Dolphins needed, Brian Flores. It seems like Robert Sala could be that guy for the New York Jets. So far, what I think, what I've heard, what I've seen, etc., the recommendations and all the rest from other people, NFL people I've talked to, people like Robert Sala. Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com is coming up next. We're going to talk Francisco Lindor to the Mets, the Blue Jays, hot and heavy in the offseason, DJ LeMahieu back to the Yankees, and other storylines across Major League Baseball. That's coming up, but before we do that, this. ML Sports Platter, thanks to Empower Federal Credit Union, Stanley Law Offices, and Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. We move to Anthony Castrovince, MLB.com. Castro, how are you, buddy? Very busy offseason, and Happy New Year. I guess I can say that because I haven't talked to you since the New Year started, right? I don't know what the rule is. How are you, bud? Hey, 
Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. Have we cut? Have we reached the uh, cutoff point on Happy New Year's? When is that? Is I don't know when it is. First? Yeah, the the rules change <laughs> with with everybody. The rules change every day anyway with our lifestyles today, right? Everybody That's seems right. to have a different answer every day. Um, there's so much to get to in a short amount of time. I'm just going to hammer through some stuff real quick with you. Uh, give me uh, give me what the Mets are going to get with Francisco Lindor. Oh man, just energy, charisma. Um, a leader. He's a real leader. Um, so, I mean, he's the total package. He's everything you want in a franchise because, you know, the, his player's performance is, is one thing, but just his personality is quite another. He's so marketable. And, um, yeah, he's coming off a, a rough year by his standards, especially, but um, I, I really think he was one of those players affected by the, the strange circumstances of, because he's a guy who really feeds off the energy of a crowd and, you know, there was no energy in the building and he hated it. So, um, I, I think he's going to like playing in New York. Uh, I, I think he had his reservations about uh, New York uh, this whole process the past year of knowing he was going to be traded. Um, but I ultimately think he's going to shine there. I remember, you know, months ago when you had said, hey, you know, the time is probably now to trade Lindor. And you kept on it, you know, on the podcast with Richard. And, and then you kept writing about it. You know, the time is now. This is the right time. Do it, do it, do it. And then they finally do it, but they trade Carrasco with him. And right. look, I know the Indians don't make the money that the Yankees do. I know that they're not the Dodgers. But this is a common theme in Major League Baseball, Anthony. I mean, until you open up the books and show right. me and cry poverty while you're trading all these guys away, the Red Sox with Mookie Betts was a joke. Uh, come on, man. The, the Indians are still a $1.15 billion franchise. The Cubs are caving for no reason financially. The Red Sox... The, what is going on here with, with, with these with these players and these franchises crying poverty? And if you're a fan of these teams, why would I ever turn you on in the near future? Right. Well, as you said, uh, you know, if we don't have access to the books, it's an impossible question to answer accurately. I've always tried to just judge teams relative to other teams, you know, and, and how is the industry uh, reacting, performing, etc. Um, you know, in, in Cleveland, they've generally spent within the realm of where they are in terms of population size, uh, TV revenue, uh, attendance especially, um, you know, they're in the lower third. And they've spent generally in the lower third. They did extend themselves a bit, uh, you know, coming out of the 2016 World Series. They, they spent in the middle of the pack of the 30 teams. And that didn't go particularly well. They didn't get the attendance bump to go with it. They didn't make deep playoff runs in uh, 2017 and 2018. And then they cut back again. Um, and you, know, you mentioned the Cubs, and, and they probably overextend themselves with their television, uh, you know, launching a television network in the teeth of the pandemic, where you know those deals are going to look a lot different now coming out of the pandemic, and you know, a, a, a big project there around Wrigley Field, and then having no fans. So every team's financial situation is different, and it's again, it's impossible to, without having our eyes on the books, it's possible to know the full extent of that, or if teams are just being cheap, or if they're being reasonable. Who knows? Uh, obviously, the industry as a whole took a hit, and for for Cleveland, that really was it was it was terrible timing for everybody. But when it comes to you know trading a star player, um, you know they made the decision to take him into that 2020 season prior to the pandemic, and it was a mistake. I think it was a mistake regardless of the pandemic. I think you know if they weren't going to spend more around him in 2020 and 2019 for that matter, and you know, they probably should have traded him earlier. They didn't, and at the end, they ended up having to attach Carrasco just to add some value to the equation. 
uh, which sounds crazy, but that's the nature of the business when you're only a year away from free agency and, and you're making north of $20 million and the pandemic hit and affected budgets everywhere. Uh, they were kind of left scrambling a bit. They had they attached Carrasco as a result. And it's mind-boggling because the years of control, which I hate, by the way, baseball has got to change that. I yeah. mean, they, it's so absurd that Aaron Judge, for example, is like under team control until the mid-20s of his career. I, I mean, no sport does that. The NFL does it perfectly. You do a three-year contract. You know, you got the four, the fifth-year option, all that kind of stuff. You know, NBA, same exact thing. Hockey. I mean, Major League Baseball with this team control stuff, controlling players, is absolutely absurd. But it's like four years versus eight years of team control, and really they got Lindor and Carrasco for a bag of of, of you know fava beans, Anthony. I mean, this is like it, it, it's it's just it's it's absurd. And I like Cleveland, man. I like the Indians. I like I like that that city. I, the fans are amazing. I've gone to Cleveland probably the most. I think for baseball, it's either there or New York. Obviously, um, I just I, I don't know. It saddens me, man. You know, it really does. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, had, I tried to brace everybody um, as 2020 played out because it's totally natural. Fans, you know, want to shoot for the moon and stars, and they want, you know, oh, maybe we could trade Lindor and get this team's top prospect or get this young stud player who's already up in the big leagues. And I tried to warn people, like, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what this is going to look like. Uh, he's damaged goods in terms of trade value because, again, he because of where his salary is, where the industry is at in terms of spending, the shortstop market in general had a lot of, you know, it's, it's got a lot of talent in this free agent market. Um, a year from now, it's absolutely loaded with talent, Lindor included. Um, you know, Carlos Correa and Trevor Story oh. and Javier Baez. I mean, these guys are all, Corey Seager, these guys are all free agents a year from now. So it was just a very difficult situation for them to get, you know, what fans perceive as proper value for Francisco Lindor. Anthony Castrovitz, MLB.com, MLB Network, at Castrovitz on Twitter, a must-follow and pick up his book, A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics Online, where books are sold. How scary is Toronto right now? Yeah, you know, that's a team uh, I circled kind of going into the offseason. It would be really interesting because, again, getting back to the market itself and, and not many teams, um, you know, having the financial room to, to make big moves or giving themselves the financial room to make big moves. You know, that was one of the teams that was going to be in on everybody, really. They, they, they've talked to everybody. <laughs> they've talked about every prominent trade target, every prominent free agent, and it's nice to see them get it done with George Springer. He's, he's such an impact player. Um, you can bat him leadoff. You can bat him cleanup. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever they choose to do, it's up to them. But um, he legitimizes that lineup in a big way, and it's, it's, it's shaping up to be one of, if not the best lineups in baseball, if those young kids really reach their ceiling, you know, and there's no, no telling when or if that happens, but, you know, we started to see the seeds of it, uh, in, in 2020. And, uh, and now you add some, you know, some more thump, a leadoff presence perhaps, and, uh, a guy who's been there and done that in October and, and done it very well in October. So, um, I think they're a legit threat in the American League East, that, that not to say they're a finished product right now. I'd, I'd like to see them add another starter and, uh, you know, maybe another bat. As we saw, they were in discussions with Michael Brantley prior to him going back to Houston. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I think there's a, a lot of potential there in Toronto right now. Bauer, Real Muto, who's next? Yeah, great question. Um, Real Muto, there has been uh, some effort made there in recent days by the Phillies uh, to bring him back, and that's always been the most natural fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, there's not just the, the attract. 
attachment to the player as a player, but just the fans have that emotional attachment now. So they like to do right by them, but it's it's difficult because they have a lot of needs and uh, you know apparently not much uh, room to spend. So um, so yeah, that's that's remains the most obvious fit, especially in light of the Mets, you know, going with James McCann as opposed to splurging on Real Muto. Um, so I, I think he might be next. You know, Trevor Bauer's market is, is starting to take form as well. Um, he's uh, he's a wild card. <laughs> he, don't, he could sign a one-year deal. He could sign a you know a seven-year deal. Who knows uh, with Trevor Bauer? But um, you know, he, he's he's going for max average annual value. So it wouldn't surprise me if he did a shorter-term deal. Boy, hopefully we have the induction in Cooperstown this summer, man, Anthony. That. Yeah. That stage is going to look awfully different. I mean, this is this has been horrible losing all these guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it, it's all rolled into what we've experienced as a, as a country, as a as a world uh, in the last year. Um, just so much loss everywhere, and uh, yeah, there's it, it's it's impossible to put into words. It, 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 you, it, it's just mind blowing how, how much. Uh, you know, great talent, and, and that you're right. That's the, that's a that's a great way to put it because that's where it's going to be most visible and visceral is when we look at that stage, and it's it's a lot emptier. They, they've had great turnout, you know, from Hall of Famers, you know, pretty much every year, but especially in recent years, they've had you know incredible turnout from uh, from the living Hall of Famers, and uh, yeah, it's going to be. I, I guess we'll uh, you know it'll still be a, a happy scene though if we can get back there oh. this summer. You know, and uh, they've been awaiting that Derek Jeter induction for forever. You know, uh, since he's since he's been retired, and even before he was retired, they were counting down the days. I think uh, for for what that crowd could be. Now, what will it look like uh, if the pandemic is still? You know, hopefully it's not going strong by that point, and hopefully, uh, you know, we're we're pretty well vaccinated and and we can congregate again because. Uh, it would be nice to see the, the turnout for, for Jeter. What's scary is, I mean, I'm talking to you late January, it's almost February, and you go February, March, April, May, June, oh, July, six months. I mean, it, time goes so fast that July just doesn't seem that far away to me right now, and I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping. If you had five, six, I don't know what the window is anymore. I mean, it's such a young man's game. If you had like a, let's go six to eight-year window, the next six to eight years, Who's your young cornerstone guy in baseball you build around? Is it Tatis? Is it Acuna? Is it somebody else? You know, it's Fernando Tatis, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., or Juan Soto. I mean, really oh yeah, Soto too. Yeah. And and they're they're all you know they all get there in a different way. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I mean Acuna, um, and you got the speed element. You you, you know more than likely the the higher defensive caliber player in the outfield uh, over time than, than Soto. Um, Tatis is, is just such a dynamic athlete, you know, in the infield, and and, and again, what he can do on the base pass, and um, he's probably the best in terms of just all around, you know, performance. Um, but Soto is the highest upside bat. I mean, his his nearest comp at this age, his nearest comparison is Ted Williams. <laughs> I saw <laughs> That's that. Where we're yeah. at with Juan Soto, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that recognition of the strike zone is, is so rare for a player of his age. So the sky's the limit with him. So I, I just, honestly take your pick. I mean, it, it's it's probably natural to go with Tatis because you know he plays a prominent infield position and uh, and he is probably the best athlete of the three. But uh, I might lean towards Soto just because that bat, you know, I think that's going to age very well and uh, less susceptible to, you know, injury and whatnot, you know, as long as he's, as long as he, as long as he can hold a bat upright, I think he can do some big things with it. 
All right, final thing for you. Uh, Brian Cashman, I mean, still, you know I, I cannot, I am just not a Cashman guy. I know a lot of people are. I'm not. Used to be. Uh, but you know what? 1998 to 2000 is a long time ago, and I know that you can't win it every year. I've never said that. But where I he drives me crazy is they're always short on pitching. They were short on pitching, didn't have the ace. They get the ace. Now they don't have anybody else. <laughs> what are when is he going to learn? I mean, what a when is he going to learn? And b how are they? What the heck is this staff going to look like this season? Garrett Cole dot 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 then dot dot dot. What's after dot 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 there? Right, right. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, it was mystifying to me that they left themselves short. I felt you know at last year's trade deadline, and they've they've certainly uh, you know they've tried to stay under the luxury tax threshold. And that's that's played into it. So some of that is ownership, you know, and, and just the approach they've taken to this thing. Although mm-hmm. he has his input there, no doubt. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting. It, it's hard to figure that uh, you know you would make the splurges they've made in recent years, uh, John Carlos Stanton and Garrett Cole, but then, you know, leave yourself perhaps a little short in, in, in terms of uh, such a prominent area. Um, they, they've believed in, in some young pitchers along the way. They've had some hiccups along the way. They've had some unforeseen circumstances along the way. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, there's there's probably no real justification for, for not having a legit number two behind Garrett Cole right now. And, and they still have the means to do it, and maybe there's still a way to do it. Uh, I don't think Trevor Bauer is walking through that door, but... Um, you know, maybe they got a trick up their sleeves, but it, it sure looks like they'll go into the season with uh, some semblance of what you see right now, and, and maybe a, a bounce back type starter in the open market. But um, you know, the, the trade deadline is always another avenue to uh, to get what you need, and uh, that's why I was just I was so surprised they, they didn't do it last summer. But you know, there's always this year, I guess. Anthony Castrovince on Twitter at Castrovince, MLB.com, MLB Network, and get a fan's guide to baseball analytics online where books are sold. Anthony, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Mike. Great to talk to you, man. The ML Sports Platter brought to you by Welch and Company Jewelers, Camillus Golf Club, Ken's Auto Detailing, and our good friends at Empower Federal Credit Union. You know how it goes, folks. Surprises are a guarantee in life, and knowing that you have the flexibility to access funds for those unexpected expenses is simply peace of mind. And so with an Empower Home Equity line of credit, you can leverage your home's value to finance a home renovation, college expenses, or any big-ticket item. Borrow what you need up to your credit limit and make monthly payments on your balance. Empower's rates are competitive and affordable. They'll even help you get the most out of your home. So get your peace of mind today at Empower, 800-462-5000, 800-462-5000, and log on to EmpowerFCU. The ML Sports Platter, all over the major platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Deezer, Stitcher. Download and subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. Thanks again to Anthony Castrovince. I'm on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lowe's Provember event is back. 
In celebration of pros, we're offering special values on top tools to get any job done right. Head into Lowe's and check out the largest selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories. Right now, you can get a guaranteed tough DeWalt 20-volt max bear tool free when you buy a DeWalt 20-volt max drill or impact driver kit. Shop in-store or order online. Lowe's, the new home for pros. Valid through 1-5 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. U.S. only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.